On today's episode of the Boney Podcast, we speak with Mary Jobaida, who is running for New York State Assembly District 37 in Queens. She's running against current State Assemblywoman Catherine Nolan, who's been in her seat since 1984. 1984. How ridiculous is that? Is that what the founders of our country wanted? We need term limits. And that's something we talk about with Mary. She talks about term limits and other topics she's passionate about. We also find out how a girl from Borishal, which is where I'm from, came to the realization that she wanted to run for office in Albany. Enjoy this episode of the Boney Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis and New York show. My name is Arik and uh, we were repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome and enjoy. Woo. So one thing I've been asking everyone is, what's one thing that you, you miss the most during, during quarantine time? Definitely people. I mean, people's and people's person, and I miss miss going out and meeting new people, and especially doing all the works that we have been doing during this quarantine time. We're not finding those people to uh, see them, and I miss the opportunity that we go to communities and uh, organizations and we work together. Yeah, yeah, and I know you're very involved in uh, in the community. Which uh, which district? Uh... Just tell the people what district are you running and, and what is it that you're running for? I'm running from New York State Assembly District 37. And this is um, this district covers Astoria, I mean, Queensbridge, Long Island City, Woodside, Sunnyside, Meshpat, and Ridgewood. Are there, so th- there's a lot of Bengali people in, in those areas, right? Uh, in this area, we have some Bangladeshi community but it is not very significantly Bengali-dominated district. We have some mm. Bangladeshi people in Woodside and Sunnyside and some in Astoria, but very few in Ridgewood and Mashpat. But Astoria and Woodside, yes. So do you think that'll be um, problematic for you? you think that'll be difficult for you to get votes outside of the Bengali community? In fact, uh, I am running an inclusive campaign. My target is to create an equitable, inclusive New York State where all the people are served, regardless of uh, whatever background they're coming from. And that dream has made me, and with a lot of other local issues together, made me run for this office. So I definitely do not think that only uh, this is, I am actually by coincident and unapologetically a Bangladeshi born Bengali person. But this is not the reason that I'm running for office. It's mostly New York uh, local issues and New York state as a whole. So it doesn't matter, like end of the day, what community we are coming from, what what we look like, or what faith we play, or what language we speak. Uh, when we come for states, uh, services that a state provides, we, uh, the struggling people, we all have the similar issues. We all have our own problems that that is similar, like housing issues, education, transportation, and uh, all the issues that one community is facing. Basically, all our communities are facing the same thing. So it's not going to be a problem in my case, I believe, that because I'm a Bangladeshi person, others will not support. In fact, my most of my volunteers are non-Bengali people. Um, 
I have I have had very few Bengali volunteers so I don't I don't think that this is going to be an issue when it comes to state uh, elections and candidates who are running for these positions yeah I've noticed that and I've noticed that you've had you have a very diverse group of uh, of campaign volunteers what do you what do you think draws them to you they like the progressive policies that is going to help the racial economic and um, that that is going to create justice racial justice economic justice so these platforms these progressive policies are attracting attracting them the, them the most and beside that like uh, with all the differences we all have something in core of our hearts we all want to belong to an inclusive world inclusive uh, state inclusive society where we all feel accepted end of the day nobody wants to live in a, a society where their children are growing up with fears uh, with mistrusting each other so me being a bengali muslim hijabi candidate in running for state office gave my uh, district people an opportunity to show their solidarity should, to show their support and to uh, prove on time that yes they they also long for a state where we all are going to be included and they are also pioneering to um by volunteering and by supporting donating this campaign that they also support this inclusive state where we all are together and we, we all are one people wow, yeah wow i can see the i can hear the passion in your voice uh, were you always um passionate about politics even in bangladesh Uh, I was never a politician and I believe that even though running for office by winning the office I will never be a politician even in Albany um I believed in services I have been always a social activist wherever there there I saw any injustice or any uh, anything wrong I spoke uh, strongly against it I stood up and fight for um justice that has been happening since I was even little child I was very vocal so the activism and then caring for others uh, who are in need of anything it was always there i was always a very helpful person to other people in this case when i'm running for office the basic difference is back in time i would help individuals in individual way and then uh, little organizing in communities but now i i look for the opportunity i will actually propose all those needed uh, policies on a state level so all the people who live in this state um can access those opportunities that is the basic difference here yeah you know um someone that uh that's i'm i'm someone that's not very familiar with the various roles so you know i don't i don't know what the difference is between you know city council versus state assembly so so can you tell uh, us what the what the difference is between state assembly versus city council and and like what the what the role is of a of a assembly person the is is this part of the government the government has basic three layers federal level state level and city level the federal level decides uh, makes laws that all all the states will follow the state level makes law laws that uh, will be applied to all the um, new york state or any state like for example in this case new york state then city level city city makes laws that will be applied to particular cities for example new york city will make laws that new york city residents will be bound to follow may not be applied to rockland county or any other counties um but when state makes a law 
that will be applied equally to New York City and all the other uh, counties or cities that is within the border of New York State. So for assembly, there are two two houses in um, state uh, government. One is lower house assembly, another is upper house, the Senate, uh, which is also almost like same like uh, federal level, the Senate and the House of Representatives. So in this case, assembly is the beginning of uh, entering a law, uh, entering a proposal that will be becoming a law if the governor signs. So the step of uh, making a law is first, the law is going to be proposed by a assembly um, assembly member. I mean, sponsored by an assembly member. And then if there is a co-sponsor, fine. If not, then the assembly member, him or herself, will uh, sponsor the bill. And then if the assembly passes the bill, it is going to go to the Senate. If the Senate also passes by the senators, then it will go to um, the final final stage is the governor. Then finally, like if it passes every steps, then it's going to go to the governor. If governor signs, it will become the law of the state. So uh, this is how the um, state government works. So my case, I'm running for New York State Assembly, the beginning, the first step where all the bills um, enter to become a law. Okay. So yeah, so I, uh, that's a good overview. So it sounds like, so you're really the eyes and ears to the, on the ground in, in at the local level, and then you take back um, you know, the needs and wants of that community in New York and take it back to the state. Um, Absolutely. And, and, yeah. So, so that, that's really interesting. So are you going to have to live in Albany or, or, or can you stay and sit in New York to, to complete your, um, if you, if you win to complete your, your usually, usually the time is divided, like four days in Albany and the rest of the days, uh, a representative is expected to be in the district. So wow. basically four days and three days, um, unless you count the weekends as a person's right to relax. Of course, yeah. It it is a tough, tough thing, but I am prepared for that, and I enjoy people and working for people. So I I think mentally, physically, emotionally, I'm very prepared for that. And and you have a family, right? You have have children? I have three children. Oh, wow. So um, so I'm I'm curious about that. So just to go back also, you know, in Bangladesh... um, I feel like uh, politicians are maybe looked at neg- negatively. I think you know in Bangladesh. Um, I think you know because there because there's a lot of corruption uh, in Bangladesh. You know politicians are looked at negatively. So what do you what are, what is the reaction you've gotten from family here, but also family in Bangladesh about um, you know about you entering politics? Um, I had a mixed. Um, reactions from both families like when i let i did not let my father and my elder brother-in-law my elder sister's husband with whom i lived before my, uh, until my i was married and um because they were like a, my eldest brother-in-law was almost like second guardian next to my dad so i was scared that what he's gonna say he might not say uh, i mean he might not okay it because he might say that okay why don't you spend your time with your children and he is very caring uh, about my children when it comes to t- spending time with my children so at one point um, i was bound uh, to let them know so when i told my brother-in-law surprisingly he said like it was inevitable they were thinking they, they had this in their mind that at one point in my life i would end up in politics we surprised wow. 
And then when I told my dad, I did not know that my dad was, uh, I, I told my sister, the eldest sister, in fact, we are 11 siblings. My mom gave birth to 11 children. Wow. We were alive. So I, wow. I called my eldest sister and she said, why don't you let my dad know and see how he, uh, what he says. So I called my dad and when I told him, he was very excited. He was happy. And when I told my husband I was going to run for office, he had a tough time to accept it in the beginning. He said, oh, if you really want to run for office, why not city council? That you, you can go to city, city hall and come back home. And you are a mother of three. And then life, you know, he took it like if you run, you're going to win. No, uh, mm-hmm. I do not know. June 23rd only can say. So he was like, if your life in Albany and life in New York is going to be always um, splitted, how are you going to handle that? And so he was very upset for a while. So finally, he wanted to um, stop me from running for uh, assembly. And he was, uh, I mean, insisting me on running for city council. So he told my mother-in-law uh, in a, with a hope that my mother-in-law will be siding him. So he said, mom, uh, your my daughter-in-law, people want, people want your daughter-in-law to run for office. What do you think? My mom-in-law, she's uh, not educated at all. She grew up in a rural village and she lived there for all her lives. So I was worried when I heard he, he was telling that to my mom-in-law, but surprisingly, my mom-in-law told that if God wants to give some duties and some honor to my daughter-in-law, why are you are bothering her? And I was so super mm-hmm. shocked. <laughs> and since then, my husband stopped and he has been helping. Yes, I, so you just mentioned you grew up in, um, well, your mom, but you also grew up in rural Bangladesh, right? Where did you grow up? Yes. I grew up in, I was born in Potuakali district in Borishal division in a extremely rural village. Where, in fact, I just got to know this month that my village now has electricity from this month. Wow. And then we, we didn't have electricity. We didn't wear shoes. We would go to school without shoes. Um, wow. We would attend a school that wouldn't have roof often because of the monsoon storms. Um, wow. th- this was our childhood. I grew up there until 10th grade. Uh, I was in 10th grade and I only moved to Dhaka when, uh, to attend intermediate, which is 11th and 12th grade. Um, mm. But until that time, I lived in my village, which is very rural, but very beautiful, very pure, fresh oxygen, fresh air. Yeah, uh, we, ate, we ate freshly cut fish that would be brought to our homes alive and the fresh poultry from our own burns fresh uh, fish from our own pond so life was different and wild grown vegetables we didn't we wouldn't plant vegetables it would be growing automatically like by on their own we would we grew up that kind of wild environment and we had wild childhood I yeah I was born in Borishal, so my village is similar. It's uh, they got electricity maybe three four years ago. Also, oh. it's fascinating, and they uh, we would use uh, we'd call it hurricane and the lamp, the little lamp that we would use yeah. our old cloth, like old um, sari and other cloth to make the wicks for those lamps. We would yeah. use old uh, medicine bottle to make our own lamps, and this is how wow. and then kerosene well as a fuel. So we grew wow. up in that environment. In in local politics back in rural Bangladesh, in your gram in Bangladesh, are there women running uh, in politics there? Nowadays, maybe. But I lived, I left Bangladesh, you can see, like about 20, uh, 20 years ago. Okay. So um, 
but back in those days women didn't have any voice they didn't have voice to speak for themselves like always somebody or somebody would make decisions for them um so even i remember that in my childhood there one time there was a um a trial village trial to make someone who was widowed just brand new widow to send her back to her family after 45 years living in my village um and send her to her village where she grew up all by herself without any share of property or anything um then this lady didn't know anyone after 45 years in that area the changes it happened the new people who grew up but all of a sudden they wanted to send her back because the husband died why she wow. should be that so in uh, that was the first year i saw that um my mother and the and some other village women who spoke up and they said like uh, that that would happen to us too if we do not stop it so i literally wow. saw that was the first year to stop that uh, attempt to send her back and the village people agreed to make her a hut where she could uh, live rest of her life so that is one year that i saw how inhuman people can be wow and i also saw at least a minimal justice when they allowed her to stay wow wow so uh, coming back to uh, to new york um so what sort of um what sort of environment do you do you envision for your children in in queens like what sort of what what are some changes that you want you want to see definitely 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 inclusive society where my children will grow up with confidence and people will not look at the differences that uh, how they look like or um, what languages their parents speak or whether they wear like my daughter's wear hijab or not uh, even though like you know some people when they wear hijab they are being pointed people who are not wearing hijab they are also being pointed at um sometimes by muslims non muslims alike so i uh, i i look forward to a inclusive society where each of our children no matter what parents they're um being raised by they live in a inclusive society with all kind of resources available to all of them all of yeah. them that um that will help them thrive and pursue the potential a full pot- potential they will be um looking forward for their future Um and speaking of the hijab do, do you come across any you know non-muslims at, when you're out uh, campaigning that are surprised that uh, a woman um you know that's wearing a hijab is so uh, engaged with the community and is running and do they do you people ever make comments like oh you know I thought you would be home you know do do, do you ever have any sort of um, discriminatory discriminatory comments like that Um I also that I'm very fortunate not to have in a negative way instead i i i am having this positive expression in people's faces that a hijabi women going to community and standing side by side with lgbt folks with uh, white folks with latino and with black um, folks it 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 is more um, they are loving it and they are uh, the folks that i am seeing out there during the campaign i see that uh, energy that enthusiasm in them maybe next i do not know the next level next couple of months that we are less than a couple of months that we are having ahead of us before the election when it gets more intense i do not know what is the experience i will receive but until now it is it has been very positive and very encouraging very energizing you know you brought it up and I, i'm just curious you know what, how do you deal with topics that are you know very controversial in the bengali community and you know, for example you brought up lgbt rights and i'm just curious how do you tackle that 
you know, within, you know, because it's, it's very controversial within the Bengali community, but obviously, um, you know, in New York um, mainstream, it's, you know, it's a lot more accepted. So how do you, how would you, you know, how would you deal with, with that, you know, I guess from the Bengali community, if, if you receive backlash from the Bengali community for, you know, supporting LGBT rights and things like that? No one is directly attacking me for standing up for the um, LGBT um, brothers and sisters yet, but I saw some kind of um, tension or uh, discomfort. So my argument here is like, I'm happy that uh, th- th- this has been here and we are, pa- uh, everyone, we all are part of it. So we have to know each other more to know that uh, in the, for the sake of our coexistence, for the sake, like if I allow somebody to hurt somebody else or undermine somebody else because the person does not believe in that person's belief, the person does not look or follow or um, maintain the lifestyle the other person um, expects, then I, in fact, indirectly allow anybody else to hurt me, my children, for not looking like them, for not praying the same God, for not uh, speaking the same language. So it is for all of us to make sure that um, if we really want that right to practice our own uh, religion, uh, speak our own languages, eat our own food and maintain our own culture, that we have to accept and um, advocate that each and everyone has the same right. I personally believe in um, salad bowl integrity, I mean integration, which is like all of us will be staying together without being disturbing it without being disturbed by each other but by being respected by each other so we all will follow our own own culture own identity and we are not going to feel undermined for being who we are and we're going to stay together as we are and appreciate each other so from that kind of uh, that is my core in my heart and from that feeling um, i very strongly believe that each each person has his or her own right to decide as to what he or she wants to follow, uh, what kind of lifestyle uh, he or she or they want to uh, adopt without being judged by other people. And that is for everyone. And that is actually the world that I lo- I'm looking for. I'm very hopeful and positive about it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You want to treat people the way we, we want to be treated. Um... And, you know, for a long no, time. No, in that uh, case, Kamru, yeah. I'm actually yeah. the other way around. I, I believe that I do not, I do not give the right to somebody to treat me the way the person should be treated. I believe that the person should be treated according how the person wants to be treated. Mm, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. That's even better. <laughs> um, wh- what's, uh, what are some of your specific uh, policy uh, changes you want to implement, and and also who are some of your uh, political mentors or people that you you uh, look up to or that you want to emulate i have few a few issues like i support climate justice i believe housing rights housing is a human right so certain things like at least five fundamental thing like the way i grew up in bangladesh and i carry that in my heart like uh, in bangla we call it khaddo pasu bashasthan shikha chikitsha the right mm-hmm. to those fundamental things like housing healthcare, education, if the state cannot guarantee those things to all of its residents, that is not actually a just or functional uh, state. So my um, target will be to make sure that each person 
no matter what community or what zip code the person living has access to those things i also have um two more um things to do one is extending the current current um paid parental leaves from six weeks to 12 months i'm a mother of three and i believe that each children uh, all children have the right to stay with their parents or uh, being cared by a loved one for at least the first year of their life so it's almost like investing our resources to for the future new year to get a uh, sort of equal um, childhood it's like for the just i believe that this is this will be justice to them and second thing is like universal child care like a lot of parents are not a lot of like you can see like how many uh, parents are working so the low income especially like low and mid income working family they do not have any choice other than leaving their children and going to work to make sure that those children uh, those parents have a place where they can leave their children and work in, with peace in their mind that their children are left with good in good hands so for them i am proposing universal um child care so that there is a, a high quality state paid or subsidized um child care for all the parents who are leaving their children to go to work so that they can live there so um th- these are the these these two things i'm also proposing uh with the hope in mind that in the long run they will help uh, end the inequality and class disparity that we are um strongly facing in this uh, in this state or in this country uh, which uh, sometimes goes unchecked and uh, people usually do not talk about this thing so for example education always uh, people consider like which race did better which race didn't do well they do not consider the families of the children's economic background what kind of struggle they're having i got this thing from working in the bronze for two and a half year and i have seen firsthand how the uh, low-income families and working class families they're having struggles with raising their children both parents work to earn money to pay rent and to bring food put on the table and then those parents do not have enough time to um i mean if they even want to they do not have the time to spend with their children the way the rich and affluent people have if a risk risk couple have children they can have one one parent stay with the children and another parent go to work still they will be able to make enough money to survive or pay for their rents and food and luxuries but a poor person working person when they give birth to a ch- child after uh six weeks they have to be going back to work and those children are not getting the right childhood or the right infancy the way the other children are having so after certain years when they're in school we are comparing with those two children coming from two different backgrounds with two different resources and we compare them that who is level who is doing or who is standing on what level based on their education and social learning so i found it this is very unfair and i am trying to do something uh, we may not be able to give them exact same childhood or infant uh, infanthood but we we can try to do at our level to give them some kind of equality um at least the minimum uh, equality possible um you may not see the result in two years of my office or four years of my office but you can see the result after 10 years 15 years when the those kids will be going to high school uh middle school 
the results will be reflected because i believe in a justice to those children because our children in new york state they do not decide to be born to certain families whether asian non-asian or rich or poor they are just born to coincidentally to a family so i believe that no matter whose family whatever financial racial background the children are born to they all belong to new york state they all are our, our new york state children so they all should be taken care and provided resources equally so that they have the same childhood and same uh, future ahead of them and they can pursue so you, you know some of the some of what you talked about uh, some of them not all of them seem like very uh, they're very um urban new york specific policy uh concerns you know like multiple people living in, um you know in congested housing things like that that sounds like it's very um like i said very urban new york issues what what do you how do you how do you, how would you do you think you'll have a problem with that at the state level where maybe that's not a concern there like because albany's obviously the suburbs and you know congested housing you know so you know would, would, do you think it'll be difficult to get them to listen to those kind of um issues because they you know they're not really um subject to them urban level we have definitely this hard time of uh, providing people um housing and w- ha- there is a housing shortage and also the housing are being manipulated by the rich people for profit driven um interest uh, so for example like i live in long island city and two of my friends are looking for apartments in long island city both of them are mothers of three children and then there are so many apartments that are empty because they do not find the uh, rich people to rent because the prices are too high whereas these two families are struggling to find um houses and they're co-leasing at this moment with some some other people so these problems uh, tail of two cities definitely exist in new york city more than any other places So this is also our concern to find out ways to solve this problem and to make sure that uh, as you said the housing is a human right each person deserves to have a roof upon their head so we will make sure that we we have some proposals to uh, solve this problem yeah you know LIC is really interesting i lived there um i i was actually living there for the last year um and it has gotten incredibly expensive um and you know it, it's You know, LIC um in the 90s and early 2000s it used to have a lot of Bengalis. Uh mm-hmm. a lot more Bengalis. A um, lot of lot of Latinos people too. Those yeah. people those working class people it, it used to be back in time actually uh, factories and then commercial spaces more. Yeah. And then it became uh there was a, about 15 to 17 years ago there was a rezoning that proposed to make it a residential area and that invited all those um greedy developers and it changed drastically yeah and so speaking of that what were your thoughts on the initial um plans uh for amazon to open up uh you know their headquarters there that is a gun case i'm i'm absolutely happy and grateful that it happened that our neighbors and the organizations and then those activist groups they all together came came they they came together and they fought against those amazon uh, trying to come to long island city uh, i used to be uh, one of those people who would protest and go to um hearings too although with all those organizers and uh, during the daytime i would work and evening time from from the work directly uh, i would go to the hearings and protest so um amazon was never our good corporate neighbor uh, it would never be you lived in long island city you know that how already it is overcrowded 
and it is not practical too to have 40,000 employees coming to this neighborhood and uh, with a lot of visitors related to their offices to flood these streets. The streets were not even capable of to, uh, capable to hold them. Besides, Amazon is not a good um, good businesses. You know, it provides um, aid to eyes to for face recognition, and it's not it's it's kind of like anti-human organizations that has a lot of accusation against his uh, misbehavior, against his um, st- uh, employees, and it, it doesn't agree with unionization. So it's not a human organization that we can um, support or align with. And besides that, the way I said, like Long Island City was not even, uh, would not be able to hold Amazon's 40,000 employees who they bring from all over the world to this neighborhood unless it emptied all the people existing um, residents who have been living here. And that was one of the concerns too. Um, Amazon is also asking for um, billions of dollars as incentives, whereas Amazon does not have the record of doing services. And it was proposing to offer the community a 600-seat school, where, whereas it was itself bringing 40,000 <clears> of its employees here if you take one child average, it is going to have about 40,000 children. So in exchange, it, it was taking our public lands here, the Naval Basin, and then other areas, which is not far from my um, residence. So it, it was wanting everything and uh, offering a school with 600 seats. So one of those property that it was going to be, uh, it was going to be given was the Tea of Cornerstones. Tea of Cornerstones is publicly owned land and it has such a huge um, space there that we, the community can have our schools, libraries, senior centers, art spaces, and uh, soup kitchens and anything that we wanted to have and we want to have. So Amazon wanted to take that. If you see Amazon's record, they are in, I think, uh, last year, they earned 11 billions of dollars and paid zero dollar for tax, whereas they wanted all those public money and public property for shifting after for its own business to this neighborhood. So it was not making sense to us as to who we were to serve if Amazon would come here. So we did not agree with that thing. Yeah, you know, um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I was initially uh, disappointed that they um, that they weren't, uh, you know, move, ha- building their headquarters. Um, but I had a conversation with Brent, uh, who, you, who you know, Brent O'Leary, who um, who I've done a fundraiser for. He's a good guy. He lives. He lived across the street from me in LIC, and you know, he he convinced me, and he said that you know, look, they're, you know, what they're asking for um, isn't reasonable. But also, he was saying that they're going to come anyway, and he was saying that they're going to open uh, offices in New York anyway. So, you know, might as well just let them open up offices for free. And and actually, and he was right, because later on, Amazon did open up offices in Manhattan uh, and yeah. hired people. So um, Why wouldn't you need to pay the, ta- uh, the public money? They didn't need any public money to come to, uh, uh, come to Manhattan. Uh, Hudson Yard, you know, they already yeah. opened their space. They also opened uh, the For You, like, uh, it is scary. They have, a, they have opened a warehouse in, um, what do you call this thing? Um, in Meshbath 
And after that, we, we have had our uh, bus cut from this neighborhood to Meshpat and Ridgewood. So whether they're linked for anything future they're planning there, I do not know. But we have to stay always vigilant to make sure that they cannot fool us anymore. Those greedy business pe- business corp- corporations that do not fool our people and do not uh, oust their, the people from their homes for their own profits. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I absolutely, I, I definitely came around on that on that specific issue. Um, I wanted to just before we end, I wanted to just get make sure people are aware of the key dates that are coming up for your campaign. The election date is June 23rd, and the governor kept it. And this year, uh, I want all the people who are listening to this uh, podcast to know that this year, everyone, each voter will receive a mail-in. Um, paper mailing paper ballot that they can decide who they vote and they can fill it out and it's gonna be um, I mean it's gonna be already stamped they don't need to buy any postage or anything they just need to fill it out and drop it in the mailbox uh, wherever um, they live the, in in those mailbox where the mails are being collected so that this year is going to be mostly at this point the governor did not decide whether um, people will still have their in-person voting or not but he guaranteed that each person will receive this absentee uh, mail-in ballot in their homes who is the current uh, incumbent that you're running against i'm running against kathy nolanch who has been in office since 1985 and for the last 10 years there was no democratic election she was um, she she was winning without any democratic election uncontested. What is the what is the, that this this honestly frustrates me because Mafuzul said the same thing about uh, the the incumbent that he's running against. He's been in the seat for ten years, mm-hmm. and his dad and his brother was in the seat before him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not what our forefathers wanted. Uh, rep- uh, representative democracy to look like it's, it's yeah. that's actually that's really frustrating to hear the that name, the name of our party is democratic party but there's not there's hardly any democracy within the party uh, so uh, they make elections so hard they make they discourage a new candidates to run they make sure that all those incumbents can win uncontested they try to that way you see how i am facing as a candidate insurgent candidate what is happening in my case how many times they're attempting to stop my candidacy and to uh, stop me. Well, um, yeah, I, I appreciate and we, we appreciate your courage for, for running. And I'm sorry you have to go through these roadblocks. But I want to thank you for coming on. It was a great conversation. Um, and obviously, we'll keep uh, updated on your campaign. And uh, I just want to wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Kamrul, for inviting me. And I um, wish each and everyone who, who will be hearing this podcast good health. Uh, it is very tough time, very difficult time we have been passing and we do not know uh, after the post-COVID-19 New York how it will look like or how the new normal is going to be for our lives, uh, for our state. Um, I wish everyone to survive and everyone to adjust with the new normal and we are we have a lot of cleanup ahead of us. Whether we are in office or not, we all the people together, we have to adjust with this new life and to make sure that uh, our state, our people, we all survive together. Thank you so much.
all over the world. Uh, it's the Boney Show. Hey, uh, can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live. From the slang we spit to the gangs we with, it doesn't matter. We the essence of the Bangladesh. I said, hey, come on, can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live. From the slang we. Spit.